Electricast. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. On this episode of Missing the Point, we're joined once again by professional MMA fighter Hillary Rose. We'll talk to Hillary about her upcoming main event matchup for the strawweight title at CFFC 97 Reed versus Rose this Memorial Day weekend. We'll discuss her decision to take on another fight just seven weeks after her last victory, her thoughts on being the underdog despite a more impressive resume, and we'll discuss mental health as May is Mental Health Awareness Month. This is Missing the Point, episode 62, but it's all relative. Welcome to Missing the Point. I'm your host, Michael Marcangelo, joined alongside by DK Sizzle, Dave Clark. And today we have a very special friend of the show returning to talk all things MMA, including her fight for the CFFC Strawweight Championship against Elise Reed on May 29th at CFFC 97. Please welcome Hillary Rose. Hillary, how are you? Good. How are you guys? Championship week. Championship week. It's here. How are the nerves? The nerves are good. Once you're like here, like nerves kick in, but they like don't kick in. Once I meet my opponent or like see her, I guess I'll feel better. But I mean, I'm definitely nervous because obviously I'm fighting for a belt. So there's a few more rounds and a little extra time. Same routine though, right? Same CFFC routine. Yep. Still see. So that's good. Yep. So it feels like the last couple of episodes, like last time that you were on last month before your fight against Alana Arnett, we caught you during weight cutting time. How, how, what's that process looking like this time? We're back again. So I won't have too bad of a cut. I kind of had a tough cut last time, but like, that's just because I like mentally wasn't there. I didn't want to cut weight, but my weight's low. So I'm hoping I'll wake up pretty low and not have to sweat too much and can just show up, weigh in and go eat some food. Yeah. I, I think... It makes the most sense for us to start with your last fight. We had you on before you uh, were taking on Alana Arnett, and man, like it is so badass the way that, that was awesome. You, I mean, <laughs> that was so cool. <laughs> a TKO by leg strikes? Are you kidding me? What it, a cool thing to have on your resume, huh? It was definitely cool. My coach had always wanted one of his students to do that. So, like the first, as soon as it was over, he was like, "Yeah, you got me the win, and you got." The- <laughs> I was like, yeah, because <laughs> you had talked about on the show, which you can find in the show notes, that you wanted to strike first. Yeah, and oh shit, did you? And you just didn't stop. So, is that the new Hillary that we can expect? You know, no matter what, you know, I'm going to come out with some sort of leg kick, probably, because again, that's just always what seems to happen. But this girl throws a lot of like kicks too. She's like very, very kicky. Yeah, I think that she's going to almost allow me to be first. So I don't. Like, I think she's not going to put pressure on me like uh, Cheyenne did. And she's not going to be like grappling heavy like Alana was. She's like a Taekwondo chick and she moves around a lot. She kind of likes to counter strike. So I think that she's kind of going to want to throw with me, but she's going to kind of use her like offense with leg kicks, not leg kicks, but like head kicks. She likes to throw head kicks. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Just got to watch that range. You got to watch that head kick range then, you know, just... Get inside. Get inside and do work. I love I can't wait. It looks like she hits relatively hard, but I mean, we're in a fight. It's the admission that you pay, you know, fight. I'm going to get hit eventually. But her kicks are much faster. I think like that's that Taekwondo style. Like she has really fast kicks. I think that's, you know, what she uses. But uh, she moves a lot. She has that like Wonder Boy 
kind of style where she's like kind of always going side to side. So we'll see how it goes. I just kind of have to not get caught up in her chase and we're adding extra rounds now. So hoping that, you know, I'm, I don't try to finish too early and like waste some energy and then I'm, you know, smart and play the game smart. And she's gone the distance every fight, every one of her pro fights so far. No, her first pro fight, she got a finish. And then her second pro fight was for the best. And it was only three rounds. And then she fought in December for the, like to defend the belt. And she went all four rounds. So what it is, is it's four or five minute rounds. And then if it's like even two and two, then it goes to like a sudden death round. That's wild. So That's cool. Five, five minute rounds. <laughs> so how does your, I guess like, I have, uh, this is a, a couple questions r- r- rolled into one. So I apologize right off the bat. No, no. How does like preparing for a longer fight in a shorter period of time, like what does that do to your camp? Because you've only had like eight weeks, right? Oh my gosh. I don't even think so. Like, I think we found out maybe a week and a half, two weeks after I fought. So it, maybe we've had like six, five ish weeks, but it was a lot of just like cardio intake. So my strength and conditioning program was a lot more cardio based. And then you prep, like you do five, five minute rounds. Bar. So like we go five, five minute rounds. And then like my last sparring was just four or five minute rounds. So yeah, you just kind of practice and See, I definitely was like a little frustrated at the beginning of camp because, you know, I have a teammate who kind of fights like her style and, you know, trying to figure it out and not waste energy. It's wasting energy because I want to chase them down, but then they move all the time. So then I'm trying to throw all these like hard ass strikes, but really I just kind of have to be patient. And I think if I'm patient and I feel it out, then I'll, you know, be able to see the openings and, you know, land the strikes that I want to strike and just be smart and keep my hands up. And I think I'll be good to go. You don't think grappling at all? You think you're going to gonna try and pull her around? I mean, I definitely have a grappling advantage on her, but I also think that me trying to, like I watched some of the other fights of girls who fought her and they chase her so down so much to get a takedown. I don't want to waste that energy. So I think if I get the opportunity, like she's against the cage, I don't think I'll like shoot for a double leg or anything like that. I think if it's on the cage, then I'll maybe you know, work for the takedown. If I feel like it's there, I mean, I definitely feel like I can beat her on the ground, but she moves a lot. Like even on the ground, she's always striking and moving, but she gives up position that I think other girls didn't take advantage of. So we'll see. I, I remember I, I, I want to preview this fight, but I also, we have to give the last one. It's credit, right? Cause when you were on our, our show, I asked you a, a pretty tough question. I said, if you were Alana, would you have taken this fight? And you said, no. So now knowing what we all know, how you TKO'd her, yeah. I guess if you're her, how do yeah. you rebound from that? Like, where do you go next? Because it was a fast finish. It, it was pretty decisive. Yeah. And the entire fight was very one-sided also. Yeah. I, um, what will be good for her is that she probably won't have to fight someone who has as much experience next. She'll be able to fight someone who's maybe, you know, one and oh, or, you know, two and one. So she'll probably get someone who's more at her level where, you know, she, took advantage of getting a fight in. And I think it's probably was a really good learning experience for her. I mean, as well as myself, I learned a lot from that fight too. She actually hit me harder than Cheyenne and many strikes, but like Cheyenne hit me a whole bunch and like, yeah, Cheyenne probably threw her hardest strike at me, but I mean, Cheyenne also hits hard. I can't take that away from her either, but that girl hit me harder than Cheyenne. Like you watch me in the fight and I like grab my nose. And I'm like, Oh shit, my fucking shit broken. So I think that, you know, she was just trying to get at me you know, to take me down, which, you know, is smart. But I think I was able to really dictate the pace because I knew that she wanted to take me down and I had better striking. So I never felt tired. So I'm hoping it'll feel, you know, the same way once I'm out there. I hate the idea that, I mean, being a main event is really cool, but like, I'd rather fight first and like get it over with. Yep. So now I'll just have- that's, that's the champion. It's unfortunately the lot you have now because you're, you're at the top <laughs> of the card. So it's what it is. <laughs> get used to it. Again. <laughs> so uh, my question would be before, we, before we preview this fight against Elise, if this wasn't a championship fight, would you have taken it on such short notice? The thing is I ideally wanted to fight July 3rd. So right. third is when their next event is, but I also didn't want to lose out on an opportunity. You know, I think my management is hoping that I can maybe get on contender again. I, I would have definitely liked more time just because it was a style that I, I'm not used to, but I think that I trained really smart for that and it worked out really well. And I think that I'm prepared, but you know, extra time is good time, but I'm like, after this fight, you know, I'm in no rush to take a fight right away. I think that my management maybe will want me to, but I kind of just want to chill a little for the summer and like, you know, rest, you know, I have 
lingering injuries that like, aren't going to really affect me in the fight, but I just like to rest a little bit and, you know, recover where like this last fight, I really didn't get that opportunity. It was, you know, I took like a week off and then it was like, all right, we're back in camp again. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that, you know, going from fight to fight, especially I, last time you were on, you did mention that you wanted to have a couple more fights this year, but I, I you did not forecast one coming seven weeks later. So th- that's crazy. And you're going against someone who get, who again, who goes the distance. I want I want to talk a little bit about some comments that Elise didn't make about you because I thought it's funny to, to, to kind of tap into the mind of a fighter, right? So Elise Reed, uh, when watching your fight against Alana Arnett said, after it was done, it was like, quote, okay, so we've got ourselves a matchup. I've been very fortunate that we were able to put it together and that Hillary is open to fighting, you know, eight weeks or seven or after her last one. She's well-rounded. She's coming from the Contender Series. No fight at this point are going to be easy. So we're just looking for the next level. So she's talking you up. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing about Elise is she's fought girls who have had, like she, uh, she fought a girl, Jillian DeCourcy, who I fought as an amateur and lost to actually. So, you know, that girl was four and two or like five and two when she East, and then she fought a girl who was 4-0 or 4-1 and before that, Jasmine. So she's not afraid of taking fights against girls who are very experienced. And I think she knows that her taking really good fights and beating people who have experience is going to kind of move her up in a, in a good way. And I don't think she's in any rush to get anywhere. But I think she knows that I'm going to definitely come to fight. And I'm really curious, you know, what her game plan to fight me is. Like, I know she has Taekwondo kicks and things like that. So I'm curious if she's going to, like, try to throw some spinning back kicks and I'm intrigued on how like the first initial like <laughs> when yeah. we meet each other, the middle is going to be. So I'm definitely interested. I've heard that she doesn't like when her opponents like kind of back up a little more. I think she likes when they kind of put a little pressure on her because she likes to counter strike. But I'm also like nervous. Like, how is this fight going to go to begin? Like, how it's always that initial like interaction. Yeah. I know you said I know you said you had a training partner that was kind of like her, but you've never really fought anybody like her before, right? No, never. So it's definitely a new challenge for me also. So the thing is getting, you know, someone like that in my books and like fighting someone who has that kind of a style. Like, I don't think she's going to try to grapple me even at all. And, you know, maybe she will, maybe I hit her really hard and she goes for a takedown or, you know, she tries to get me down on the wall, fights a fight, but in any of her fights, you never see her take anybody down. I don't think that's her, her game plan for this fight. I think she knows I'm obviously probably a little more well-rounded on the ground than she is, but you know, you never know. I'm curious to see how strong she is too. That's always like the thing that I'm always surprised about after a fight is I'm like, Oh wow, they were really strong. So I'm curious what her saying. She like leaves for the army, like the day after we fight really for like boot camp thing. So she's probably, you know, in good shape. So, you know, I respect her for that too. Like hopefully they don't hurt her and she can't go. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. And, and I did not know that, but I also, I was reading, I, I was trying to do as much research on Elise as possible. Like, you know that you're my favorite Hillary. Like that goes without saying, but <laughs> So Elise is kind of using you as a stepping stone. And I say that because she's looking to beat someone that was on Dana White's contender series. That's what she said. She And, and she doesn't want to rush her way into UFC because she wants to make sure that once she's there, she stays. Yeah. So how does that factor into this? Because you, you are the biggest name in, in this fight, and but she's the champion, right? That doesn't happen that often. So, you know, I think whoever is going to be fighting for the belt is probably going to be someone who has a few more fights on their record than her. You know, she has this weird, not weird, but like, you know, she had one fight and then she was offered to fight for the belts for CFFC. So like she kind of just was given an opportunity at an early stage. Like this is my going to be my eighth pro fight and I was never offered a title fight until now obviously, but all of her fights that she's had have been stepping stones. So like Jasmine was someone who was four and one and Jillian five and two who fought like half of her fights on Invicta, which is a very high level, you know, all female promotion. So like, I totally get it. And, you know, let her, you know, use me as a stepping stone, but I'm also going to use her to take that belt. <laughs> it's, it's pretty awesome. J- j- just based on, you know, I, I, I just like to think back to, I think last August is when we first spoke right, right before your contender series match, right? And to the to the, to the majority of the people out there, like even if you're an MMA fan, like you weren't an unknown, but you were under the radar. But because yeah. of the contender series, now like you are the name on this card. I also again did a little research. Did you know you are the number one ranked New England woman fighter? As of right now, yeah. No, I know that. People tell me that all the time, and I never look it up. 
I don't know if you looked at like the winnings, but I'm like 12% chance of winning. It's like oh, That was my next question. So I uh, way to bury the lead there. But I mean, pound for pound, number one in New England, number 22 in the United States out of 746 and number four in the Northeast. So it feels like just since last August, like your career is is just is is going in the, in the right direction. For sure. For sure. And again, I'm in, I'm in no rush. Like if I win this title and then, you know, win, lose, whatever, I'm in no rush to go to the UFC. I mean, if the UFC calls, I'm going to take the opportunity. If the fight yeah. is right, I'm totally okay with defending the belts and getting a few more fights on my record because just like her, I don't want to go in there and then have a short career. I want to get in there and be well prepared, you know, to fight and fight tough chicks. You know, I'm going to be fighting people who are like me, who also have, you know, a few more fights under their belts. But yeah. I, I, you know, we'll win this one and then we'll see what happens. What does that target? What does that target look like though? You're already the contender series girl in CFFC. Yeah. If you're the contender series girl and you're all the things Mike just said, and you're the champ, everybody's yeah. like that target gets bigger. You know what I mean? So like when you, it's the same thing that this girl you're fighting said, it's like, you're the, the level of competition. You're never going to fight a girl like you just fought probably ever right. again. Right. So yeah. it's like, okay, now you test yourself against the best. You've got this target on your back. What's your attitude on that? Is that like a useful learning experience? Like you're like, okay, great. Like everyone I fight is good now. You know, everyone's got different styles. Everyone's established. Or is it this thing of like, oh my God, like give me a month. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know that like, again, I'm never going to fight an Alana. Like I'm not going to be offered, you know, a girl who's debuting ever again. And the thing is, I probably, even if I was, would accept that fight just because it's, you know, the experience, I could feel the experience level while I was in there. You know, I, I was the calmest I've ever been. And I think it was honestly really good because I was able to control the pace or I never really been able to. I mean, when I fought Cheyenne, Cheyenne was like, I'm going to hit you and I'm going to come after you with everything I have. And like, didn't give me a chance to breathe where, you know, in that fight, I could take a step back. I could get back in the center. I could, you know, readjust what I wanted to do. And, you know, I never felt tired. I remember when the first round, like, click, click, click. I was like, oh, shit, the first round's over now, which is obviously what I hope to go into this fight, too. I want to, you know, feel good and have good cardio. I mean, I know no matter what, I'm going to be fighting tough chicks. And, like, this girl's tough. Again, her style is new to me. So that's what I like about this fight is that it's a new challenge. It's not like someone that I've ever fought before. And she's obviously undefeated. And, you know, I want to take away that zero and I want to have the belt. You know, the belt isn't the biggest thing. You know, I just want to win and put on a good performance and want people to, you know, keep looking at me and want to keep watching me fight. So CFFC was a good promotion in there, you know, been really, really good. But I always worry, like when you fight, she's a point fighter. Like she doesn't fight to finish. I'm not that I don't think that, but I mean, when you watch her fights, you know, she's maybe had one finish and maybe a few as an amateur, but she's more like a lot of output, output, output. And, you know, when you are in like someone's home territory, and they land maybe a few more strikes that don't have as much significant meaning to them. They sometimes get that win. And that's like unfortunate where that's happened to me before. Well, you said she was a, you said she was a Taekwondo person, right? Yeah. So like when, I mean, I was a Taekwondo guy back in the day at like <laughs> age 11, no big deal, but I did those tournaments and that's what those are. You know, they're just like, they got like, even the equipment that you put on in Taekwondo, it's like this right here is a point, this right here is a point, you know, that's how they're trained. So when you get in, and I don't think like, no, I don't take anything from her, but like in the amount of time from just like my last fight until now, like I'm drastically better. Like it's the amount of work that I put in specifically for this fight, but kind of my last fight into this fight, like we kind of just continued some of the things we were doing. Like, obviously I had some frustrating moments, but like that's fight camp, but like it's the chase. If I don't get caught up in her chase, I think that I can dictate and see the openings really well. But of course I don't know that until Saturday. And if she hits me hard, you know, then I'll probably try to take her down and grapple her, you know? I don't know if you watched the fights over the weekend, but, you know, if I can get her down and Carlos bars of that bitch. Yeah, I mean, you know, this isn't everything, obviously, but sometimes pad hitting videos can give you a little insight. And I saw your last one that you put up and it looked sharp as hell because, like, I've seen some of my favorite fighters. I'll see their pad work and I'll be like, "Ooh, I don't know. But I yeah. saw your last one and it looked like a level sharper than I like than I've seen you, maybe even a couple. So that got me pumped for the, yeah. for the fight. I was like, OK, Hillary's looking good. Like, let's go. I weight like my weight's really low so i'm thinking all right my weight's low i'm at like one you know 19 120 like if i put on pounds i'm still gonna be fast like and you know i watch her pad videos and i'm sure she punches hard but i'm much faster with my hands you know obviously she has quick legs and i quick kicks whether it's body head leg they're quick and i know that and i just have to you know be aware keep my hands up and when she throws a kick i need to throw my right hand or i need to throw a strong 
you know, combination. I need to not throw single strikes. She kind of throws some single strikes and I'm guilty of that too. So if I can throw combos and faints, like faints, 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 just like, I don't know. Again, if you watch her up on over the weekend, he faints. He makes you react. If I can that make her a great fight. Re- I love that. I love that <laughs> fight so much. <laughs> I was all in on that. I was screaming. I saw Massachusetts, man. <laughs> so I just got to sell it. And if I can sell it, then, you know, cause a reaction. I just need to, I'm really good at fainting and then not reacting. Like I can make her react and then I'm not taking advantage of that time. I'm just like going and then I'm like, oh, okay, I made her react. Okay, now she's hitting me. Mm-hmm. Set traps. Yeah, being first. I just got to be first and be confident. I know I'm sharp and I know that my skill level and strength has grown so much in just like, you know, six, seven, eight months. So I just got to be confident. And, you know, once you're in there, you're in there. I mean, I'll be nervous up until that point, but, you know, once you're there, you're there. So it's all that matters. As always, when we talk to Hillary right after we're done talking, I'm always like, okay, she's going to win. I feel great. (laughs) I feel really good because I'm always nervous, but now I'm like, okay, I feel fine. She, she feels fine. I feel fine. Like know someone who fights, like even like when my teammates are like, even Rob, like, I mean, I'm not really close with Rob, but I train alongside him and like strength and conditioning. And I see him all the time. So like, you're like so emotionally invested and you're like, you know, if you watch them get hit, you're like, Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's you and Connor for me now at this point, like neck and neck. <laughs> Cause I'm like, both times I just get very emotional <laughs> on the same card. And then, you know, you'll be, you'll have to go. To that oh. one. Soon. I don't know. That would be too much. <laughs> You'll have to pull out your wallet and pay the money and go. Oh, I mean, definitely. The way, the way he's going, you, you're, you might be higher up on the card than, than he will be Hillary. So like, I wouldn't really worry about come that. Come on, Mike. Why does, it, why does it always have to come down to this? If Hillary headlined a Conor McGregor card, that would be amazing. We're obviously doing great if that's right. happened. So it's fine. You dick. <laughs> <laughs> So my last question about this fight is, and it draws like cross-sport comparison, right? She's a point fighter. So she's a Mayweather, right? Yeah. How do you alter your game? Because you, you, don't, you, want, you, you don't want to panic, right? You want to make sure that you don't put yourself in a bad position in order to get taken down or get knocked out with a head kick. So, so what happens? Do you just play her game and, and try to throw more combos? Or is that something that you just figure out, you know, 10 seconds into the first round? So that's the biggest thing is, you know, knowing that first initial exchange and like who's going to throw first. And I think when I watch all her fights, she's very similar to me where she throws like a leg kick. I think it's like her instinct defense mechanism. Like she, here's my range. I know my range. This is where I'm at. And I'm kind of the same exact way. I throw a leg kick or I throw like a, a up the middle kick and she kind of does the same sort of thing, but she moves a lot. So knowing and like watching her videos, we were kind of watching like, all right, when she goes a little bit to this side, this is what she does. When she goes this way, she goes that like, she usually throws strikes or she throws a kick off this. So, you know, we were trying to have my teammates kind of simulate that and like kind of pick up on the timing. So again, it's just not getting caught in her chase and getting tired. I think that I could beat her even by points, but not chasing her down, like trying to throw with everything I have in order to hit her because she moves. So like, if I go with everything I have, she may see, you know, I think she's going to be smart and can read the body really well because of Taekwondo. So, but she also is very like square. So like, I'm okay. Let me hit you in the body. Let me hit you in the head. But I also throw head kicks and leg kicks. I think that I'm the first person that she's also fighting who fights a lot of striking wise with kicks and head kicks. So I'm curious to see what her defense would be on my end. I don't know if she's anticipating me grappling her or trying to push her to the cage or if you know, we're going to stand in the middle and strike, but I feel like I can win either way. I feel like I can beat her on the, in the hands. I'm faster. At least with my hands. I mean, she may have quicker kicks than me, but I think that my kicks have way more meaning. So I think when I'm kicking, you know, you'll feel it where her kicks I'll make, I'll feel and like, yeah, it's probably not going to feel great, but I think that she's going to feel my kicks. What about catching one of them? Is that in the game plan? Yeah, catching them. Well, I watched some interviews with her before and she had fought that Jillian DeCourcy chick who was a grappler and her coach had said they didn't want her to throw body kicks because I I think she won't throw a lot of body kicks because she thinks I'm going to grab and like maybe try to take her down. But, you know, habits are habits. So if you throw body kicks, you know, or if she sees my body open, like she's going to instinctively throw a body kick. Like that's just what happens. It's like me too. Like I see a body, I'm going to kick it. Ma'am, this is an Arby's. So I don't know. I'm curious. I think she'll probably throw a few body kicks and see if I'll grab them. You know, my coaches and I drilled that, you know, we didn't drill a lot of like catching kicks and then, you know, taking her down. It was more catch and let go and return with something. So my biggest thing is on 
free. So when she hits me, I got to hit her back a few more times. If she kicks me, I got to kick her twice. So just nothing's free. You know, she's got to pay for everything. So why do you think that she's projected? Now, again, we, we did this last time. You were projected as, as the favorite. So I need to be honest and do the same thing again. Why do you think she is projected to win? I mean, 86% of those that took this poll have her winning. 80% of, the, of, that, of that subset said that she's going to win by decision. Why yeah. do you think that's the case? I think because earlier in my career, obviously, or even just still, I mean, Cheyenne, whatever, I haven't had many fights against people who had winning records. So I think because she has fought people who have more experience and have, you know, winning records that people see that and they think, I think Cheyenne, I mean, I think Elise beats her because she's beaten more people with winning records. And like, I can totally get that. I understand that, you know, I may have more fight and more cage experience, but I think, you know, fans and people who go on the internet and they see that I fought girls who are, you know, two and four or one and three and three and three that they think, all right, well, she hasn't fought people as tough. So that's I, I think that's what a lot of it is because she's beating people who are four and two and five and two and whatnot that they think she will win because she's fought people with more experience and is beating them. You said that too. What last time we last time we talked about this on the last episode, it's like the people that vote for that stuff are the fans, right? So when you take that poll and you you're looking at a fight and say like you know you look at the records like you said, but then also she's already the champ, so people might lean towards right. picking her for that reason too. So it's like nobody knows anything. Let's just see how it goes. I, I think you know obviously we're all pulling for you here. You're a resident badass, so yeah. we're, we're all we're always going to root for you. I, I do want to segue into something that I think you know recently I, I've looked at that I feel like it's very important to you. Uh, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, right? That's right. So I wanted to say you know how first of all you you've recently started talking about it in public and yeah on one of your videos you said you know you did not want to do that that people that 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 see you every day didn't actually know how you were feeling right because it was tough for you to understand how you were feeling on on any given day so my first thing is how tough was it to public to start talking about it publicly and what made you decide to do it so like today four years ago my cousin who was 22 at the time he committed suicide very shocking didn't you know leave a note. None of us understood why he was like the goofiest, funniest kid that, you know, you would ever met. And I think that it kind of shell shocked me a little bit. And I, you know, struggling with my own mental illness, you know, like, I think that it's important to talk about it because there's people who don't talk about it at all. And then are, you know, suffering and kind of putting on a, you know, a front and like act as if that they're okay. And then you really have no idea. So I think trying to be open about it will help others be open about it. Mm -hmm. Many people reach out to me and, you know, also tell me that they were struggling and they're afraid to talk about it and don't know how to, you know, be a voice to other people who are struggling. And like, even myself, like, I don't feel like I can always, you know, be a voice for other people when they're struggling or know the right thing to say, or even, you know, explain how I'm feeling. But I think that it's just, it's important to talk about and, you know, I think it's kind of like not swept under the rug. I think it's becoming more you know, people are being more open to talk about it. And, you know, the more you talk about it, the better, you know, you feel, I feel better when I talk about it with people, even though I'm scared to talk about how I'm feeling, or, you know, I want to keep things held in, or I don't want to be a burden to someone because I'm, you know, feeling a certain way. And then, you know, when you're struggling with mental illness, you don't want to put all your shit on other people because then sometimes they're like, Oh, I don't want to hang out with them because, you know, they're always upset or they're depressed or, you know, they're not that happy. So like, you know, you don't want to be a burden. So then you pretend, you know, to be happy, even though you're struggling. So, you know, but yeah, with May being mental health awareness, I wanted to, you know, just make a video and, you know, put it out there, you know, again, that I also struggle and it's okay to talk about it. And, you know, if someone needs to talk about it with me, even if I don't know them, you know, I'm comfortable talking to them and I'll do everything I can, you know, to help them out. Yeah. I feel like I also had a friend a couple of years ago, take his own life. And I feel like the shock the biggest shock is when they don't say anything to you, prior, yeah. you know, because it's like the you know, the, your very first thought, or at least mine was, and I'm sure, you know, something in this wheelhouse was yours is like, I, w- I wish I could have known. I wish I could have done something, you know, I wish I had, a, you know, cause I would have taken the time if you had of asked me, you know, like if I had a known, and that was the biggest shock to me as well. It was like that, like, that was one of the funniest people I knew, like the most like yeah. best moods, like all these, oh. all these great jokes all the time. Like, the last person I would have expected to be suffering from depression and, and that level of mental illness. And, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, you're obviously you're sad when that person leaves your life, but you also think like Jesus, the the pain they must've been going through. 
completely yeah, silently for so oh. many. Yeah, exactly. And it's, and they never said a word and it's like, that message I think is so on the nose and so important. It's like, you got to tell people if you're feeling like that, man, like people will listen to you. You'd be so surprised the depths at which people uh, will go to like, give a shit about you. You know what I mean? Like they really will. And especially, you know, and I think, just think it's great when people like you say this stuff too, because people see athletes, MMA fighters, especially as people who are, or maybe they regard them as people who should be impenetrable to, to this stuff, you know, like they, they should be completely immune to it and nobody's immune to it. It doesn't, no matter how hard you can hit, you can be sad and anxious and it's totally fine. And like, everyone feels that way. It's okay to be sad. And it's, it's, I think that people are scared to admit that they're sad and it's, it, that makes me sad because, and even like with, like, again, my cousin who was a male, like, I think it's a male thing, like where For men, sure. they can talk about it or, you know, women are overly emotional. She's just emotional to hormones, you know, it's this and that'll pass next week. Like it's sad that there's like these stigmas to things like that. And it's too bad because it's like, I would do so much to, you know, be able to see my cousin again and, you know, value our time more, even though like I did while he was around, but it's like, you think, wow, you know, you're 22 years old and you have no idea how much someone's struggling and, you know, the things you would have done to, you know, just be there for them. Even if you didn't yeah. even know, you know, give a little more effort or try to be around them a little more. So if I can, you know, I don't have a big platform, but you know, I obviously hope that someday I will, you know, and I can voice how I'm feeling and like, get it out to people. And, you know, I eventually, you know, we'll get there, but even with the small platform I have, you know, there's a lot of amazing people who have reached out to me and I've been, you know, lucky enough to share and talk to people how I'm feeling. So, well, I mean, cool. even if it's one person, even, even if one person right. hears you, yeah, it's, exactly. it's worth it, you know, and you have to think too, it's like, we're like two or three generations away from like, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and like, just get, get on with it. And like, don't, you know, don't think this and like, and with women, especially it's like, oh, she's just, you know, it's probably that time of the month, like lock her in a room. You know what I mean? It's like that kind of stuff, that kind of stigma, that those kind of thought processes are not very far away from us as human beings. And like, we're only just as we become like a, a kind of a community globally, because we're all like so interconnected now. I think we're only just starting to advance into those kinds of thoughts where it's like, no, no, it's cool. I feel that too. You know what I mean? Like when, even when you grow up, like you, you know, you meet people that have the same feelings that you do that go through the same things as you do. And it's like, it's pretty universal being like bummed out. But when people are bummed out to the degree that, you know, you don't want to feel the pain anymore. So you take your own life. It's like, there's, there's resources. There's like, there's things you can do because like, nobody wants you to do that. Nobody wants you to, to hurt yourself or harm yourself. Like no one. And if you don't feel like you have someone I promise you, you do. I promise you, even if there's somebody that doesn't, you don't think would give a shit, they will. If your life is on the line, they will. So I do think it's important to just keep banging that drum. And like you said, like your platform, how, however big or small, I think it's important to keep banging that drum because even if one person hears that and goes like, all right, I, I'm not going to kill myself today, then that you saved a life, you know? So that's huge. Again. Yeah. It's a crazy wild thing. And I know like, you know, it's again, I just wish people could talk about it more. And I know that even myself, like I don't talk about it all the time, but I know that I, when I do talk about it, I feel better when others can tell me that they can relate. And then I think like, all right, you know, I'm not the only one who's struggling or the only one who feels this way sometimes or feels overwhelmed or, you know, depressed or is anxious all the time. So when others relate, it makes you feel better and that you're not, you know, this crazy person just like living inside your mind. Right. And I, you know, I would also say like you and I, can talk about it because it affected our lives. I would yeah. say to people, don't wait until that happens, you know, right, like right. definitely get, be proactive about it because like, you never know, you never know yeah. what someone's going through and it doesn't matter if they have like, I mean, it was so, I, I related to it so much in your video when you said, you know, it's like even the people I'm closest to don't yeah. know when I'm like not feeling, you know, a hundred percent or if I'm anxious or if, you know, on my way to training, I had to like pull the car over to like take a few breaths. And I'm like, damn, man, I thought that was just me. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, I, you know, you just show up to where you're going and you get on with your day. You know what I mean? And it's like, like, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> ah, you're like screaming inside your head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's, you know, that's not just you. And it's not just, it's not just your average person walking down the street. Like everybody's going through some shit, especially this past year. You know what I mean? I, I think we should COVID. all take time to think about that. It's like suicide rates are up, like alcoholism and drug at like, so much it's sad because we were so locked in and people who needed resources weren't able to get those resources because right. COVID and, and it's hard to do. I'm sure 
a virtual AE meeting or a virtual NA meeting, or, you know, try to reach out to someone when you can't, sometimes you need a physical hug or you need, you know, a person there with you. And with COVID, it kind of like kept people from being able to be around each other. And, you know, that it was sad. And like I said, like suicide rates were up and so many things were up and just addiction and death. It was just depressing. There's so many, so many insidious side effects, even for, I'm sure the mentally healthy, you know what I mean? It's like, I felt pretty good going into 2020 and you know, it's like, I, you know, I struggle with anxiety. I like, that's my main thing. But like the second that like the lockdown started up, like it was just like, boom, through the roof. So I can't imagine what people, you know, and I didn't even, I wasn't even that worried about like me getting sick or whatever. It was just like all the different things you're thinking about. And then like the insidious side effects of being locked in your fucking house. And yep. I kept making the joke of like, this is great. I love being inside. Nobody loves being inside that much. <laughs> like nobody. Me too. It works. Like cool. You know, I'll get a few days yeah. off work. It's going to be two weeks. We're going right. to be sick. Like patient. <laughs> nah. One year later. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for sure. And like, if somebody was went into 2020, you know, whatever country or state or whatever you're in listening to this, if you went into 2020, not doing great, and 2020 fucked you up, like, that's okay. Like that fucked everybody up. So if you're still here, like, good for you. And like, we all still really want you to be here. So like, talk to somebody if you're sad. Talk to any. We're cool. Yeah, Yeah. we're here. (laughs) Yeah. I think like you just talked about some of the real and, and the bad side effects of COVID and what happened in the lockdown. But I, I do think, and I'm not a glasses half full type of guy, but for this, I will be. I think us being isolated for so long, right, has made the discussion of mental health and the awareness of mental health that much more present now. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't feel like it's a taboo thing. It's like, right. hey, like we all fucking have it, man. Like we have not had human interaction in a year. And if you couple that with someone who had mental health, who had you know problems with their mental health before that, like it was an awful time. So would you say that what's happened over the last year, like Zoom and everything that's going on, did that, did it make it more palpable for you to like talk about it for the first time as instead of talking in in front of a room of people? Yeah, I think so. I think because I festered in my head a lot while I was, you know, obviously in COVID and then, you know, being on contender and then losing. And, you know, after contender, I was super depressed because I just felt like, you know, a lot of hard work that I put in, like I maybe didn't get to train as much or do as much or get out as much because of COVID. And then, you know, I just, you know, was in my own head. So I think after, you know, losing and kind of taking a few weeks to kind of, you know, be upset, I was like, you know, I got to, kind of get my shit together. You know, this is my career and I I need to stay positive because, you know, people lose and they win and they can come back stronger. You see it more often than not. I mean, like Michael Phelps, for example, like he's someone who struggles with mental health really bad. And, you know, you see him, you know, lose and then win and then come back and do all these like awesome things regarding mental health. And I think just sometimes it's maybe not what I needed at the time, but overall towards the end, it was actually something that I did need and I feel better about. And I feel like, even though I do still struggle to talk about it, I'm becoming more open to talk about it. And I think the more open I am, the more comfortable I'll get and the more, you know, people I can talk to and more people that'll reach out to me. But yeah, it's, it's good. It's good to talk about it. And definitely 2020, I think just, I think 2020 probably gave a lot of people anxiety who maybe had never suffered from anxiety before and had no idea what it was like to have be super anxious and, you know, be worried about certain things. And then, you know, COVID hit and then they were like, Whoa, what am I feeling? What is all this emotion that I'm coming, you know, that's coming through my body. So I, you know, I think maybe more people are open to relate to, you know, how others maybe were feeling before. As a person who who has gone through his own shit, right. I have never worried about ever before. Me breathing around somebody that could that, and that could kill them, like yeah. The, the yeah, outside year, was poison. Yeah, it was like outside is poison. Wait, like, what? <laughs> like yeah. what? Like literally, you could, you have other people's lives in your hand, and that's a lot. Like that that is a lot to put on anybody. And I can imagine, like, if you're already anxious, or if you already have these things that are going on, like how that amplifies it. So I think that the positive coming from from COVID and, and quarantine and the isolation is, is the fact that this conversation that would have never happened in 2019 is fine. Now it's not, it's not fine. It needs to happen. Right, right, right. 
It's too because like I think for me it's like I was always an anxious person. I was always like a worrier. I was always like I was always the kid that like when we were all smoking a joint, I was the first one to be like, everybody knows we're high. I'm too high. <laughs> like that was always my thing. But then I'm- like, yeah, because it's because you're anxious. And but yeah. for me, it was like I always had this voice in my head that would be like, I could at least say to myself, you're just fucking anxious, bro. Like just whatever. And yeah. I I that COVID was when I went from being a kind of an anxious person to being someone with anxiety because the voice just clicked off. And then that was it. It was all I was, was my emotions when I would have like, and then I started having panic attacks. I started having all this shit. And I'll tell you something. I have, my dad has had both a panic attack and a heart attack. And he, re- he recommends a heart attack because panic attacks are fucking horrible. <laughs> like, dad, my dad had a panic attack for the first time on Thanksgiving and he thought he was having a heart attack and he went to the hospital and they said, no, you're having a panic attack. And he called me and said, cause he knows I suffer from panic attacks. He was like, mm-hmm. I've never felt anything like that in my life. And now I know how you feel when you have a panic attack. And he yeah. is he, like, people don't know how to relate. And then th- when something like that happens to them, like, especially at that age, they think, Oh my God, I'm having a heart attack. But right. then they say, panic attack you didn't have a heart attack and then he thinks holy shit and then he knows like wow this is what you suffer and you have happened to you all the time like that's scary yeah it feels like you're it's more like a brain attack than a heart attack if they call it a brain attack i think it would get better press because it sucks (laughs) it's like the worst thing in the world i'm like fuck i'm having a brain attack and i can feel them coming i can feel them coming from down the street and i'm like here it comes and then i'm gone you know and it's just like oh it's the worst and it only you know especially you feel like you make it to like 28, 29 and you don't have, you're not suffering from any, like, you're, you know, it's like, okay, good. I'm not a schizophrenic. Like, I think I've made it past the years where like that might happen. And then you start getting these and you're like, come on, man. Yeah. That's not fair. I thought I made, I thought I had like a good 10 years before I started having to worry about shit like this. It's the yeah. worst. Yeah. It's like in everything, and it, the, the physical symptoms that manifest themselves too. You're like, this is yeah. a heart attack. This is, this is a fucking heart attack. And it's like, no, probably not, bro. You're 30. So th- there's not only treatment, but uh, there are also organizations that, that are out there that promote the, the discussion of mental health and, and, and they're advocates for those that, that have that, that are going through something uh, like a mental health event. And I think one of them that I, I saw on your Instagram was always check on the homies. So yeah. tell me a little bit more about that organization, other mental health organizations that you've been working with since, you know, since your video that you posted on, on Insta. So um, Always Check on Your Homies is a nonprofit that all of their money that gets made from, you know, purchases and, uh, you know, shirts and whatnot, it's Always Check on Your Homies. It goes to, you know, people who are struggling with mental health. So they have a bunch of different organizations. One is for young kids suffering who have tried to commit suicide and then they, you know, go into a home. But yeah, so it's, you know, it's not money that goes to them. It's all goes to mental health and it's nonprofit. And, you know, I love what they're doing. I love that it's always check on your homies because it's, you know, it's a cool way to kind of feel comfortable to talk about mental health. And, you know, like you should, you should always check on your homies. So I kind of think it's made a more open way to kind of, you know, put mental health out there in like a nice way without it being like, you know, something that always is like suicide or, you know, depression. It kind of puts in like a more not fun, but like kind way of, you know, saying, you know, you should always check on your homies, call them up, let them know that you love them and they're important. Yeah. It feels like it's just like a mainstream way, but in reality, like this is a, this is the most mainstream of conversations to have, right? Yeah. Don't let people that you care about or anyone go without hearing from you for a day or two. Like if you like, cause you, I always think about that uh, and I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole, but now, especially with like technology, right? You can go without talking to, to, to people, to grandparents, to aunts, to uncles, right? And like when, when I saw always check on your homies, I got to be honest with you, the first person I called was my Nana. I hadn't talked to her in like, in like four days. And I was like, that, like that resonated with your, me. Like, your Nana can be your homie. That's okay. You, know, like you just never want to go a day without, like you, you always want to know, like uh, at the end of the day, that everyone that, that is in your circle knows how you felt about them, right? And knows that you're there. Yeah. And it's true. Like I, it makes me want to call my dad and tell yeah. him I love my sister. You know, my friends, like I have friends that I, you know, maybe talk to all the time, but don't see. And like, sometimes I just maybe haven't talked to him in a few days. I'm like, oh, how is my friend Candace? You know, how's she doing? You know, how's my friend Chelsea? How's this friend? How's that friend? So it, it does. It just kind of gives you like a reminder, you know, just check on them. Say, what's up? Hey, how are you? Or just, you know, make them feel important that you're thinking about them. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. 
Yeah, I, I think that's the perfect way to kind of to talk about that. Is it? Listen, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, but like in reality, that's something that we should focus on all the time. And if you know someone that is that you think is struggling, or that maybe you don't even think so, just check. Hey, yeah. how are you? Goes a very long way uh, in this day and age, especially in the day like where we're all just so attached to Twitter, Instagram, everything that's pulling us away from talking to each other. Uh, like a, a nice text, like "Hey, what's up? How are you?" It, it goes a long way. Media stuff brings on depression where people feel like they have to live yeah. up to the expectation of what social media says or you know dictates or puts out there. Like people feel like they have to live up to you know whatever their friends are maybe doing, and then feel like they can't. You know, I don't want to reach out to them. I'm not, you know, doing what they're doing. I'm not as successful. I don't own a house. I don't live here. I don't do that. So I think media is a lot of part of that too. So, you know, yeah, shoot them a text, give them a call. That's why I like Twitter better than Instagram because <laughs> Instagram's got a bunch of really beautiful people doing fun shit with filters and Twitter's got a bunch of idiots that made me feel better about myself because <laughs> what? People say, I never use Twitter. Like oh, I had to get on there. I mean, Dave is the biggest heel from the MTP uh, <laughs> podcast on Twitter. Hey, hey, every, everyone, he just goes after everybody, which I love. I, that's the best way to do it. But it's like it's, sometimes it's you see something that pisses you off because you're like, that's a stupid thing to say. I'm going to say something about that. I, <laughs> I, 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 I try to carry myself in like that in real life also, just for the record. Yeah, that's fun. You make it fun and you go after the right people, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you say I'm a heel, but I'm going after the bad guys, Mike. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So I have a, I have not really a bone to pick with you. This is the only transition I know how to do, Hillary. So like, I apologize for the cold open, but I, I was listening to a podcast with a certain Mr. McCarthy that you were on, and you may have mentioned that it was your favorite podcast to be on. Okay. No, it's, <laughs> I on, you know, what's so funny is after. I thought about that too. And I was like, it's not because it's not my favorite podcast. I think my favorite part about his podcast is what he does regarding mental health and like how he reaches out to people. So it's not so much that it's my favorite podcast because no doubt you guys are my favorite podcast. <laughs> I, and I that genuinely from my deep heart. What I like best about his podcast is it's kind of for mental health and he's like really raw and about like his emotions and he kind of talks to other people about their mental health. So I think that is what my favorite part was. I should be very specific about the things I say. Mike just wanted to hear, Mike just wanted to hear that we were your favorite. It's fine. He's good now. He, he no, stopped listening to you after you said that. <laughs> no doubt. My sister all the time. I'm like, man, I love that you set that up with the guys from the podcast. I love talking to them. It's always my favorite part about fight week for the fun. And she's like, yeah. it's so crazy. You still talk to them all the time. And I'm like, yes, I love it. Yeah, it's awesome. It we is. Well, it like, you're, you're, you're the most fun that we, that we have in, ter in terms of preparation. I'm not pandering, right? Like, I know that when you come on, we can talk for an hour. And it's going to be <laughs> fun because you're just someone that, A, is easy to listen to. And B, like, says really, really intelligent things and noteworthy things. So it's just why, it, that's why it cut me to my core, Hillary, when I heard that. <laughs> but, uh, hour of my time to anybody else. You know, that was a 20 minute podcast. We're getting better. We're getting better. Now. I noticed that. I noticed that right when I saw that it was 20 minutes long, I felt fine. <laughs> yeah. I don't give a lot of time to a lot of people. And you think I, I'm cutting weight right now. You know how true. difficult that is. I want to give my time. Very true. To else. Yeah, Mike, leave her alone, Mike. <laughs> well, hold on. Hold on. Like when you win this weekend, right? That's two weeks. That's two fights in a row that you talk to us while cutting weight. So it feels like we've started a trend here. Yeah, you can only talk to us during weight cutting weeks. Yeah, it's good. You can, in, you know, good vibes and maybe it's good luck. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I knock, I, I knock too. So the last thing we're going to talk about, last question. So you have CFFC 97 coming out on May 29th. What is the outcome? Yeah. The outcome. The thing is, I think that it either goes to a decision or that I choke her out. My coach is over here. <laughs> yeah. Because he doesn't think it goes to a decision. The thing is, I don't want it to go to a decision. I think maybe three rounds tops. I don't think it goes to a fourth round. And I think that it's going to be harder to finish her on the feet. I do think that. I mean, if I can time things well and hit hard. But I think if it goes to the ground, that no doubt I either get some sort of submission or a TKO. 
when you when you kick the legs off that other girl, my downstairs neighbor says they th- said they thought there was an earthquake. <laughs> so if you choke her out, I feel like I'm going to have to like, maybe I'll send him a note beforehand or something because I went berserk. But, you know, maybe I'll kick her legs out like I did the other chick. You never know. She moves a lot. She moves right into that leg kick. I feel like last time we talked, you were like, I got some stuff up my sleeve. You right. know, I'm not going to tell you everything. And then you did that yeah, shit. Yeah, I was yeah. like, that's what she was talking about. <laughs> You're not wrong. That is what I was. I do have a few things up my sleeve, too. So oh my. You know, that heavy front leg that girl likes to come in on. So, you if know, this is the WWE. That would be your catchphrase. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's it. <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I knew you were going to win. <clears throat> I just didn't know it was going to be that way. Like that, I, was, <laughs> I watched that video. I, I literally uh, texted Dave and I was like, holy fuck. She <laughs> won by, by TKO with leg strikes. Like, what is happening? That is, that... I was just like, kick, 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 kick. And, and right, I, before, I, I, right before that, I was like, those are starting to add up. Yeah. <laughs> I knew they were heavy on that leg for sure because she wanted to grapple me and I could see that uh, she wanted to take yeah. me down. So I knew it was there. Couldn't do it. Well, Hillary, thank thank you so much for for taking the time to join us again. You can make sure to watch Hillary Rose versus Elise Reed for the CFFC Strawweight Championship on May 29th. It's CFFC 97. You can follow her at, at Hillary Rose MMA on Instagram. Not really on Twitter, but please like make sure the most important thing that happened on, on this show was if you are feeling a certain way, talk about it. Never ever feel ashamed of, of your feelings or what you're going through. Mental Health Awareness Month should be Mental Health Awareness every month, right? So. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time. So for DK Sizzle, Dave Clark, I am Michael Marcangelo, and this was Missing the Point. Electric acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Electric acid.